Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 113 of the F1 Show. For coverage of the Canadian Grand Prix in Montreal, I'm Robin Warner. And I am Jim Lau, and it is great to have a race back on North American time zones. Very lovely. Very lovely for us in that uh, it's right in the middle of the afternoon, and, uh, you know, a nice, nice time to watch a race. Downside of that, though, is that there are other racing events going on midday on Saturday afternoons when we're trying to watch qualifying, so there were some scheduling issues with us getting to qualifying and things, but uh, minor, all, though, minor issues that we dealt with and we right. handled. But, uh, yeah, everyone wants to do uh, a good job in front of, you know, the. this is as close as they get uh, until they come to Texas in November, as close as they get to the North American, you know, big U.S. market of everything. So Ferrari wants to show well, so people buy Ferraris and the same for Mercedes, and Absolutely. I guess Red Bull wants to sell energy drinks and whatnot, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, well, Red Bull, you know, there was definitely more infinity... Uh, related uh, activities going on. So I think there was, they were trying to tie that activity together more. Yeah. The Infinity brand, you know, being a, an American-built brand, uh, you know, of Nissan cars. And, you know, we so, saw some of that, you know, people jumping out of parachutes. Yeah, so that that's good. Sense. You know, we should buy Infinities now. But uh, I think the main issue uh, for news since the last episode would have to be, holy floor in the Red Bull, Batman, or Robin. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Exactly what you said. Yeah, there were issues with Red Bulls having holes in their floors that helped to benefit um, exhaust um, heading and making its way to the rear diffuser and help activating the rear diffuser. Which, at first, you hear that and you go, okay, there's holes in the floor. The rule says there's not allowed to be holes in the floor. So how is that going to be legal? But then you start looking into more, into more depth and it's like other teams have a slot there and the key there is that it's not a hole because there's a slot and it's like connects <laughs> to the edge of the, of the of the of the tray of you know the floor this is in front of the rear wheels and red bulls was like essentially the same thing as the other teams had except theirs didn't have a slot a little gap connecting it to the edge so it's like a separate hole instead of a little slot cut in with it shaped a certain way whatever right. so it was very very like tiny technical detail and but you have to draw the line somewhere, right? No, you do have to. Draw, not that not that the rule change was was bad, but um, I mean, we'll have to see when we get to the qualifying results how much that slowed them down. But uh, it was certainly the big, you know, oh, wait, finally there's clarification because it was one of these things. And early in the year, uh, some teams said, oh, this is going to be a problem. And it was originally, um, I want to say, it was like FIA scrutineering. You know, when they, these cars do get, you know, sort of tech inspected, if you will passed and said okay no that's okay because it's like a slot it's by the edge it just happens to be a hole but it's not really a hole so whatever right <laughs> right it's just you know it said okay it's fine and then there was i'm some... sure their exact words were whatever yeah i'm sure it was uh and then and then there was since you know still oh wait no but it's not okay and so now it's finally been so at least i think the good news is that's settled and okay now, they had to change least. well fair enough that <laughs> one particular issue has been settled of the holy floor um, and now, uh, at least, okay, the Red Bull has, you know, Red Bull car now, is the, it's a new design. Uh, I haven't seen the revised design, but I'm sure it probably has some slot or whatever. It now makes everyone happy. And, uh, the Red Bulls did seem to be able to pilot their cars around, uh, Montreal. Okay. Uh, in spite of the change in the floor design. And then just this weekend, um, they were also found that the wheel nuts, the way that they set up the wheel nuts was, was such that they can gain an aerodynamic advantage. Right, which is you know we saw we used to see those um, what were they called the, the kind of the wheel guards that the, the right aerodynamic yep, exactly. devices like that a stick flat over the piece wheels. of carbon fiber almost looked like a hubcap but then it had slots in certain areas and could spin with the wheel and do all these cra- crazy things yeah to uh, help help with airflow through the wheel right and then those were banned and then we saw I think the Red Bull actually was one of the best ones when they went to the wheel itself that cast into the wheel were some kind of little fins to try to help. I thought that was Ferrari that did that first. Oh, it could have been. Yeah, yeah. it could have been. Uh, and then, so then it was it's like, okay, well, you can't make your wheels aerodynamically such that, you know, they help your brake airflow, which, why they make that that way, I don't know. But I guess it's just one area they can try to control costs and say, let's just at least have reasonable wheels. So then, you know, Red Bull was found to be in breach of something there, so they had to change their wheel nut design. But it's all, you know, none, none of these are, it's not like a blown diffuser level of, Right. Game changer here. It's right. not, you know, that it wasn't kind of double like diffuser last blown, year yeah. where all of a sudden everyone was like, wait, we can't do what? Yeah. You know, so it, it was definitely, definitely relatively minor. But it was, you know, all those little minor things do stack up. And it's also partially true that a place like Canada, where the corners are slower and they're shorter, that uh, these type of things wouldn't tend to show up as much anyway. So 
you know, maybe it will hurt the performance of their car when we get to the more of the proper tracks again. Like, for example, if we were to go to Turkey, um, you know, with that long four apex, four apex crazy high-speed corner, maybe something like that might hurt them a little bit, and it might become more noticeable. But who knows? And, you know, in a couple of race times, they might find a, a way around it anyway. Yeah, that seems to be the thing, right, is everyone moves forward throughout the season, and it's just some, some teams move you know, farther forward, or some teams take step, steps back, I guess, as well, when they try different things that don't work out. But I, I would be very surprised, I guess I'll put it that way, if all of a sudden Red Bull falls off the pace right, and it has exactly. anything to do no, with the completely. slot, which should be a hole, which shouldn't be a slot, which is not in the floor because it's at the edge of the floor. In other news, yes. a little bit closer to home, a little bit exciting, a little bit cheesy, uh, Mario Andretti, still keeping his name out there, has been named the ambassador of the Circuit of the Americas. Who's that? That's Marco's grandfather? That is Marco's <laughs> grandfather, exactly. Oh. He, he used to do, um, I think it was sprint cars uh, when he was young or something like that. Yeah, yeah, No, yeah. of course, 78 world champion um, Mario Andretti, uh, the ambassador of Circuit of the Americas. What that really means, more than anything, I think, is, hey, Mario, we'll pay you lots of money if you mention the circuit and say positive things and about it. And go talk about it at yeah. F1 races or whatever. And get but, to do a lap in an Escalade. Which, you know, whatever. I mean, it's one of those things. It, it looks impressive, and if someone doesn't know much about racing, it would look really impressive. But, I mean, I've been given rides in and done, like, hot laps in vans and stuff like that. It's really not a big deal. It's just like a car, only slower. Yeah. So, it, but it was, you know, it was still fun to do. And, uh, and I mean, it, Mario is good at this type of thing. He's been the ambassador to Champ Car before. He's been the ambassador for Road America before. He sells Magnaflow performance he exhaust Magnaflow like nobody's business. Very, very well. Exactly. So he's good at that stuff. He, he, his opinions do still carry a lot of weight. He is still an um, icon in the United States for sure. The Andretti name is probably still the most famous name in, in motorsports, despite the fact that the Andrettis are not really represented in NASCAR. John Andretti raced there for a while, but I'm pretty sure he's out. So... Um, you know, it's it's a pretty impressive dynasty in that sense still, and, and Mario still is quite literally the grandfather, the granddaddy of this whole thing, hmm. and uh, so it's it's good for it's good for that in sense, but it, it is also I felt a little bit on the cheesy side, but whatever, it's marketing well, I mean, and they yeah, need to promote a, it. It's and a that's PR it story, is. right? Yeah. It doesn't actually change. Oh my gosh, I can't believe they're gonna. It's like okay, he, this guy is marketing for them now, yeah. so great. But it's still, uh, and then his interviews with Bernie. We had a couple of couple little run-ins with bernie ecclestone over the course of the weekend pit walks and things and uh you know our our interview man will buxton goes to bernie says oh is is you know the u.s grand prix going to be a good race which what does that even mean anyway as a question but um he says oh it's of course it's going to be a great way it's no question (laughs) and what is that you know that doesn't so at least it's not like oh we'll see if their contract guys come back you know it's not like it's still threatening or any kind of these weird you know kind of overblown statements that bernie likes to make to uh, right Try to get uh, try to get something something happen to behind the scenes, but um, you know, yeah, those things are those things are going to happen, and uh, you know, I guess Mario Andretti will be his name will be on the website or his face or whatever will be there. So on to the race weekend. Uh, Friday practice, things really seem to be going Lewis Hamilton's way. Yes, he uh, was fastest in uh, free practice one and free practice two, and seemed to have the. Um, Seemed to have everyone covered at least by a tenth or two. And uh, we saw moments of quickness from uh, Rosberg. We saw uh, quickness from Vettel. And, uh, but Vettel really seemed to turn on a little bit more in free practice three. And, I think uh, the Red Bulls often do that. Yeah, that tends to be their trait. And all of that seemed to be looking pretty well for Hamilton. But then, of course, we got to qualifying. And uh, he certainly didn't do poorly, but it, 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 it wasn't... It was pretty, pretty amazing how, again, they can look so good in practice and how things can shift on us. But we can start with the Q1 and, and, and work our way up. Yeah, nothing earth-shattering in Q1. Uh, the, down, the, the, the odd man out for that was Jean-Eric Verne in the STR, who was yeah. not even uh, 18th, which would be the top of Q1, but it was right. actually behind the caterums. That was what was kind of surprising to me was that he was – Four tenths, three and a half, four tenths off of Heki Kovalainen's time, who was the 18th position driver. So, yeah, both Kovalainen and Vitali in the caterums uh, out-qualified Jean-Eric Verne, which was, I thought, pretty amazing. Yeah, it must, be, it must be feel good for them. And just, you know, Jean-Eric and the STR just probably, 
upset about a poor performance, but so it goes. And it must have been a fairly big mistake because he ended up being um, over a second off of uh, Daniel Ricardo's uh, time in Q1 as well. So uh, it, it, maybe he was caught up in traffic, and I think that's what he said in an interview, that he ended up being caught up in some traffic and that kind of stuff. But couldn't put a lap together and yeah. there it is. The next big disappointment was in Q2 with the Williams cars. Uh Bruno Senna being 16th, Pastor Maldonado being 17th. Although I Pastor was on his way to something special. He that I'm sorry, that was cool. I really really appreciated how hard he was trying. You got to give the man credit. He was fastest of all in in sector 1 on that lap. Cruising still quick in sector 2. Trying everything he couldn't, uh, Sector 3, couldn't quite make it happen, tags the wall of champions. Right. So, well, I think missed the wall of champions. Well, so he, he, he gets it wrong. The car is, is sort of understeering towards the wall. So he just kind of countersteers and just nails the gas, which sort of spins the car around and keeps it from what could it. So no, he, he hit the wall. He His, hit the wall. It broke the right rear suspension. Yeah, exactly. And then as soon as he does that, he just, he just floors the gas to, like, yeah. to keep it, to kind of spin it the other way. And then, which you know, kind of comes around in that way, and he sort of just like to hear the onboard is it was kind of a crazy bunch of reactions all in a row. Right. The end result being that it, what was a one broken corner suspension and could have been a whole lot worse. Right. I think was able to handle that pretty well. But yeah, it's sort of easy when we see everyone go through any series of corners on this track, but especially that last kink with the Wall of Champions at the exit. Um, it's easy to sort of be like, oh, of course, they're all going to do that. But to see how wrong it goes once it goes a little bit wrong. Right. Um, and it doesn't take much. It really doesn't. Right. So it was, yeah, it was, could have been something really special. Um, as it happened, you know, he, his next best lap was this, you know, 115.2, which was the bottom of, uh, of Q2. But anyway, so that was the, the Williams-Renaults at the very bottom of, uh, of Q2. Um, and the Saubers, we thought would do better than that as well. But uh, Checo Perez, only in, uh, only in 15th spot where he qualified, um, and and then, Kamui made it, made his way to 11th, which was good for him. Um, the other person out in Q2 that was a bit of a surprise, Kimi Raikkonen. Yeah, he just kind of didn't have, he just sort of didn't find, I don't know, the setup that he liked or the way around here quite how he wanted it. It sounds like it just kind of never quite came together for him. Uh, Grosjean was able to do better. He did get through to Q3, but uh, Raikkonen well, just wasn't able to quite get, get the car where he wanted this weekend. But that's exactly it. I mean, you uh, you look at... You look at the Q2 times, uh, Raikkonen was out and in 12th with his 14.734. Romain Grosjean was 7th with a 14.627. So, you know, one tenth... like you're way off the pace, it's just a tenth. One tenth of a second, and Grosjean wasn't necessarily 7th at the end of Q2, he was 7th overall in qualifying, but point is, is that, uh, you know, one tenth of a second, and you look at it, you look at uh, towards the back of Q3 times uh, for Q2. I hope that makes sense. Uh, you know, uh, well, we've got Rosberg with a 14.568, Massa with a 14.461, Romain Grosjean with a 14.627, Paul DeResta with a 14.639, and uh, Jensen Button with a 14.680. So, oh, yeah, so, and then the first, uh, the first one out, uh, in Q2 was Kamui with a 14.688. So it was incredibly, incredibly tight in that, you know, 5th through 12th, 13th. Yeah, 12th, 13th, because uh, Nico was 13th, and he had a 14.748. So incredibly tight. We're talking about two-tenths of a second covering, you know, eight guys. Yes, what you said. Lots of numbers. That's what I'm saying. Lots of numbers. If that All doesn't illustrate the point, I don't know what does. Uh, <laughs> but... Yeah, uh, and so we had, um, of course, both the Red Bulls making it through. Um, Jensen Button made it through, made it through, but then says he wished he hadn't done any running in Q3 because then all he had to run on was uh, some used super softs. And uh, after after you know qualifying tenth anyway, um, it, well, he would have done just as well to stay in the garage. But um, you know he's basically had a disappointing weekend run all up up through qualifying, and we'll talk about the race in a minute. But uh, you know just still, it's this funk that he's in with car setup or something that's yeah. just not like he's he's still trying and he still is like trying to be upbeat about it and everything and uh it's just not something's not there something's not quite working for him well i i think in, in general jensen tends to have he's definitely more sensitive to car setup than lewis is but he's also really good at getting car setup so 
he tends to really be able to maximize his talents that way. I think this year with the Pirellis and with the massive, uh, the the huge amounts of sensitivity to temperature that these tires have and the way they grip, maybe that's throwing him off. This time around, he had a problem with the car. The end, it ended up that the transmission was leaking. They had to replace some seals and do all this stuff. So he lost most of his time in free practice too. So he was a little bit hampered that way. And then when he finally did get in the car in free practice too. He was having a huge amount of trouble getting the braking balance right, and he kept locking up front tires. So, and we saw that going into the race as well. So he was definitely struggling. So that might be part of the explanation for this specific weekend. But you're definitely right that now he's got like a three to four race funk going on where he hasn't been anywhere near as competitive as Lewis has, and he's you know he's just having trouble. So he needs to he definitely needs to come to grips and have something work his way sooner or later. I mean, and that's the most remarkable thing. I just rattled off a whole bunch of numbers about how close it was between getting into Q3 and not. Once we got to Q3, the spread from uh, first to 10th was almost a second and a half. And Jensen was at the absolute bottom. His best time was a 15-2. So he couldn't even match his pace in Q2, let alone, you know, try to improve any. Yeah, we had uh, some magic from Vettel getting into the uh, 13s for pole position. We had Sebastian Vettel on pole with holes in the floor replaced with slots or whatever. <laughs> Wheel nuts no longer giving him those extra hundredths or whatever. But, I mean, still, he was the only man in the 13s all weekend. Um, and it's, well, it's a high 13. So, basically, um, yeah, three-tenths clear of Lewis Hamilton. Just about, yeah, almost exactly. Yep, and... Uh, and then, you know, from Hamilton back, you know, it's a, it's a bit tighter. But uh, so it Sebastian Vettel on pole, uh, Hamilton right behind him, Alonso in third, ahead of Mark Webber and the rest of them. Which was very cool. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Nico Rosberg, Felipe Massa, making it through to Q3 and yeah. then doing respectably okay, bottom half. But Q3, sixth place. It's all about lower expectations. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so as everyone says, oh, now that he's driving for his job or whatever, which I don't think is really the case i think he's trying his best at all of these it's just sometimes he's able to make it happen and sometimes he's not so i don't think that it's right and he's had a, he's had a two he's had a we'll get into this a little bit more later on he's had two races where he's been respectable and we'll see if he can keep it up it could have been that the earlier car just again it could be one of those things where alonzo is better at adapting to the car being the way it is and still getting the maximum and moss is a little bit more sensitive so since the car wasn't working for him he just couldn't do as well but the Ferrari is, they've definitely brought a lot of improvements to the car at Monaco and again to Canada. So they f- seem to be sorting out their car a lot better now, uh, as long as they keep good tires on it. And uh, that's helped Massa quite a bit. And he seems to, it seems to have turned him back on in terms of performance. But I want to say um, that it was very cool for me to have a podium with three, uh, a qualifying podium, three world champions from three different teams making the top three. That was very cool. Right. So it's, you know, getting away from just who's got the best car and it's, you know, or consistently a Vettel, you know, Vettel, Vettel kind of prediction or whatever. I mean, still actually Vettel on top here, but um, just that it's not, yeah, a runaway in any one given direction. But I think we can see these are, you know, the number one drivers from each of these teams. I think right now Button is really a, a step back from Lewis. Oh, no and, doubt. No I mean, doubt. Massa and Weber, we kind of know what the deals are there. So... Um, although Weber was fourth place, you know, behind that, uh, behind that in qualifying. So with that, I guess it is time to get onto that race. And it was remarkably smooth to start to the race. No accidents on lap one. Everyone got through the turn, turns one, two, three, which is usually someone tries something in one, which causes chaos in two on that first lap. That's pretty common. Everyone got through. Okay. Made a lap, which was sweet. And, uh, you know, Sebastian Vettel took off, no problems, and you know started making his gap early and took early control of the race. Yeah, and once we had uh, Durs, a lot of the top couple of guys were still uh, out of out of Durs range or at least out of uh, out of out of passing distance if they were. So the the top four really with uh, Vettel through Weber uh, stayed where they were up until up until they started doing pit stops and about fifteen laps or so into the race. But uh, there was you know from from farther back in the field, uh, Checo Perez. Sergio, starting starting from the back and just, you know, from the start, um, we had a couple of people doing some earlier pit stops. Um, DeResta, I think, was the first of them coming in, and uh, and then a couple others. Um, you know, Schumacher was in there pretty quickly, and, uh, you know, 
Sergio Perez just kind of working his way up through the field, and really he he kind of buttoned this race, if you will. Ooh, of, well, did he now? Of, of taking uh, old school button, I guess last year button <laughs> of uh, of just somehow being. All right, all right. No, I have to stop you there. Button has done well at the beginning. Let's not forget he won the first race this season. And the first he, race, it was all Melbourne. It was all topsy-turvy. People didn't know what was going on with the tires. He it was won all, the first race no, this did. season. he did. That's true. But. And then his, the first three races, he was totally competitive. Um, and the first four races, his qualifying was still competitive. I am a Button fan, full disclosure. I'm just saying. Okay, so the second, the second race, he had finished 14th. So, you know, competitive, fair enough. But And with 14th place result. Anyway, um, it's true. I've got the F1show.com slash stats right in front of me. I'm just saying. Okay. I'm just no, saying. No, okay. So anyway, but just being very, very gentle on his tires, but still making it happen, getting yeah. passes, getting, being smart about it. Um, and, uh, you know, he said he, he was sort of disappointed with the car in qualifying. He said, you know, he thought it would be better here than it was. But, uh, it was, you know, he was able to, to make some magic in the race and, uh, and do that. Um, I think the biggest thing, too, because there was talk about the Lotus and the Sauber being more competitive than usual here. And also Force India was also themselves touting their car saying we think we'll be strong in canada is that you know faster in a straight line they have good top end speed but if that means less downforce the big thing that that hurts you in canada is uh you're braking mm-hmm. you won't won't be able to brake as quickly or you know or as late so i think that was the that was the um compromise that uh, people saw there and uh, i have to mention uh, since i keep bringing them up uh button one thing that we were expecting potentially from him is a potential button kind of performance, just like <laughs> you're talking about, which is easy on the tires. He started on the soft tires instead of the super soft. He was the only one in the top 10 to do that, I'm pretty sure. Yep. And, uh, you know, maybe just doing a one stopper and being consistent and easy on those tires. But, you know, he had to pit to swap out his soft tires not much at a much different time than people had to switch out their super soft. No, that, a lot of that was a bit of a surprise that those went off as quickly as they did. And yeah, he was right in there, lap thirteen, fourteen, with with the rest of the people starting, uh, you know, pitting from super soft, like you say. So there was like, for whatever reason, um, probably lockups because we saw a fair number of those. Definitely, you know, uh, it just wasn't able to do his his gentle tire uh, deal like like sometimes. But um, then once we did get. Uh, uh, pit stops that cycled through where Hamilton was in the lead of the race for a minute, and he pitted, and Alonso was in the lead, and uh, they kind of came out. But um, Hamilton was able to come out in front of Vettel from yes. his pit stop. That was sort of the key move there. It was not on track, but in the pits. But um, And it was it was a little bit of of a bobble from uh, from Hamilton leaving the pit box. It was kind of this almost stalling, like slipping the clutch a little bit right. kind of deal. So at that point, we're like, oh, no, that was just like a second, but that's all you need. But, right, but, exactly. But, and they've had, they've had iffy pit stops the last few races, McLaren has. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, uh, you know, basically when it, when it mattered today, uh, McLaren was really able to radio into Lewis and say, we need you to set this lap time. And he says, okay, or, or just says, push as hard as you bloody can. And he does. And, uh, but then manage the tires, (laughs) but yeah. And, and it was, you know, I was actually kind of nervous because when they said, um, so then, you know, midway through the race, when it was shaping up where some people were doing two stops and some people were doing one stops, um, and trying to figure out, you know, what gap we need to have so that we can stop again and all that. Um, then, you know, at one point they said, okay, Lewis, push as hard as you can. And I was kind of nervous, like, don't tell him that, because <laughs> what you need is say, Lewis, give me 95%. Yeah, you know, 90, I, 96 I'm still even. a little bit nervous about, yeah, Lewis really going out and really going 10 tenths and just crashing into something, just, you know, running a little bit wrong or whatever and, and, and messing things up. But um, that's that's really just not what we saw. We had uh, we had Alonzo uh, in the lead for, for a while, for like a good 10 laps um, or longer. Um, who then, you know, we found out was decided, you know, he was going to stay out and finish the race on these soft tires that he had. Right. So, yeah, going back just a little bit, you know, Vettel definitely had good control of the lead in the first stint, but both Hamilton and Alonso were really, really good at pushing on their uh, in-laps right before uh, doing their tire changes. So Vettel pitted a little bit earlier and, as a result, uh, suffered... uh, and pit a little bit earlier and didn't have the same quality pit in and pit out laps that uh, Lewis and Alonso did, and he suffered there a little bit. And uh, through that whole cycle, um, Hamilton uh, was able to get out ahead. Um, um, but I'm but I'm sorry, uh, Alonso was able to get out ahead. 
and uh, really control the middle part of the race. But then uh, it was pretty clear, not just from the way he was driving, but also from the radio communications, that Hamilton was doing a two-stop strategy. And McLaren had assumed that both Vettel and Alonso were also doing two-stop strategies. But then as the race started developing, as you were talking about, it was seeming more and more likely that they may, might be trying to push for one-stoppers. Right. Uh, so, you know, Hamilton, uh, and he said after, you know, he did a, did a two-stops two uh, strategy. He said after the race he could not have done a one-stop, just the way that, that he was doing the tires and what he was doing for a lot of times and everything just did not mean that that would work. Uh, Vettel did end up taking a second pit stop. It was only with about eight laps to go, but uh, he did, did take another stop. Um, but Alonso did not. And right. uh, what looked like it maybe could have paid off uh, really didn't because he slipped uh, from first uh, down to second, third, fourth, fifth. Uh, so right. by the end of it, uh, was in fifth spot and, you know, could have even slid a little bit farther if he hadn't kind of been, you know, probably managing what was at that point a very tricky drive, you know, very you know, hard to drive car um, as well as he did. But uh, that was sort of, uh, you know, reminiscent of, of Raikkonen in China, right? Where just yep. if you, you stay out and figure, okay, I can just muscle this car around. How much time am I going to lose on a pit stop? Well, he was losing like four seconds a lap to those around him. And, you know, people were just able to, to really whiz by him because Vettel decided at that point, okay, well, we're, I, you know, he, he did a stop. And then when he was out there, he was one of the later pit stops. Um, so he has the freshest tires and the lightest fuel load. You know, everyone's got the fuel the same at that point. But just the freshest tires and was able to just rock it around these people. And, uh, yeah, Alonso lost out big, I think, by that strategy call. And what could have been a second... You know, a third place uh, ended up being a fifth. But, um, well, and it could have been a win. I mean, there was, you know, Hamilton had, you know, Hamilton had, um, uh, Hamilton had maybe a two second gap, but Alonso was actually closing it and before, uh, before Hamilton went for a second pit stop and Alonso went on to take over. And, um, uh, you know, had he, had a similar strategy to Hamilton and kept the tires pretty fresh. And I think uh, Vettel could have challenged for the win as well if he had instead of pitted on with just eight laps to go, pitted with maybe 15 laps to go and had more time on the fresh tires and not have had some of that time where he, where, the, where the tire degraded some. He could have challenged yeah, more so as well. It, it was that gamble, right? When, when Hamilton went to pit, um, if the other guys had followed him in, then it would have been we need to fight and pass Lewis Hamilton on track right. when we all have equal tires and we all have equal fuel. But instead, it was the, the gamble was, you know, how far, how far can I stay out in front? And McLaren got it right. I mean, yeah. might as well say, you know, Lewis Hamilton was able to, uh, to hold on to it and, and led the last six laps or so of the race and, uh, and was able to, to bring it home, not really under threat at the very end of it. Uh, I mean, Romain Grosjean was working his way up, and uh, he, he ended up second place. And good job for him, you know, uh, to uh, to get Excellent on the podium. Job for him. And then behind him was Checo Perez, back from 16th or wherever he was, um, who did a one stop, but somehow was just able to make his tires work really, really well um, on the on that opening stint and uh, do a really good job on that, and and then bring it home. But um, you know that at that point, because once once Vettel did his second pit stop, he sort of became out of out of the out of contention for the win. And like we say, Alonso was just falling back and losing gobs of time. Every, you know, four seconds a lap is huge, you know, right. for, for the top guys. But and it was, I mean, but it was clearly the right call, right? I mean, we, we had this discussion while we were watching the race. He, he went into the pits, ended up, what, fifth or sixth af- after he came out? He's only down to third. So no, after Hamilton? that final, he was down to fifth. And uh, Sebastian Vettel. Oh, Vettel, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was down to fifth when he took that late pit stop, but he was able to catch and pass Alonso. So, you know, he went from behind Alonso to ahead of Alonso as a result yep. of that stra- of of taking that second pit stop. So, uh, it was very clearly, very clearly, the right thing to do. Right, which of course is easy for us to say, you know, watching which the race at home it. and after the race and seeing what it all happened. But yeah, in the, in the meantime, you know, that uh, that's kind of how it how it fell together for them. Um, a another very disappointing day for Michael Schumacher, yes. who uh, was doing okay. He had his first run of pit stops and was working his way back up and cycling through. Uh, came in for his second stop, um, and then left from that. And I think it was on the following lap, uh, his DRS, his rear wing, got stuck open, uh, which of course uh, first, not going to be good for braking. Not going to be good for braking. Uh, 
let alone just the rule implications. I mean, I guess if it's not getting you an advantage over the course of the lap, you know, I don't know if he were to keep driving with that and was decided he was able to, I don't you know if he'd be disqualified on the grounds of, you know, that's you're not supposed to have doors open all the time or whatever. But sure. bottom line was it was kind of funny because we saw them pounding on it in the pits. Like they hit the, the, pit, the car was stopped in the pit box and there's engineers just banging on the rear wing like, <laughs> why won't this thing close? <laughs> Which was kind of a hilarious sight. Oh, when you think about really all funny. the technology and all the engineering that's gone into that wing, let alone the rest of the car, and just that the, they resort to just banging on it. So probably some more of an electrical problem than like it needed more banging. But hey, whatever. You never know. You never, you never know, know when you might it. be low on banging. Right. I think Schumacher may be the unluckiest driver this year. I feel like the cars come on. We've seen it with the results of Rosberg. You know, again, he had a solid finish this this race weekend. He ended up sixth behind, just behind Fernando Alonso. Um, another couple of laps, he might have been ahead of him. And uh, obviously, Rosberg had the win. Schumacher was the fastest man at Monaco in qualifying. Didn't count for anything. He ended up losing uh, losing that because of a five grid spot penalty. But that's just it. I mean, he's had. He's had penalties, he's had accidents, he's had failures. I mean, just cannot catch a break. But it seems like in practice and qualifying, he's really Im- improved and gotten all the rush fully shaken off. The car's gotten better and more to his liking. And it's just frustrating me because, you know, definitely in that, like, Schumacher dominant era, it was definitely boring that he won all the time and you wish that there was a little bit more lively competition. But he's still a very likable guy in many, many ways. And he's still, you know, the you know, uh, the dominant guy when it comes to the stats. And I'd love to see him add to his wins. wins. I'd love to see him add to his uh, pole positions. And it's just the same to see it go so wrong so often for him. <laughs> it does. It sucks. Yeah. Poor guy. Yeah. Just, I mean, at this point, Maybe he'll just have to, like, cry into his massive piles of money to feel better. I don't know. Yeah. Or if, I mean, what does it mean at this point to him? Because right? he's not realistically i don't think in any kind of championship situation so that of course is always the goal he's had that he's had more championships than anyone right uh in f1 so is a one-off race win after three years in the sport being back like yeah, i think you'd take it though i, I mean, think you'd say I mean, absolutely take yes it to say yes I, I will it's not like i'm gonna not accept the fact that i just won this race but you know, it's, <laughs> it's like I don't, t- I don't accept it. I don't mean it that way. I mean in the sense that I think he would feel like it was worth it to come back when he didn't do everything. If he could say yes, I'm still a race winner after all this thing in my 40s, everything else. I think he would still say yes, that was a success, and that he helped build the team. You know, I mean, I think that's part of it for him as well. But it is interesting because we mentioned the stats. It's funny because when you talk about what we say is more important anyway, ratios. He's hurting all his statistical ratios now. Right. You know, when you look at, okay, if, if, you know, Pastor Maldonado has a great, you know, win to trying ratio compared to Hege Kobol. And, you know, when you look at, okay, he's, you know, he's been in there uh, and he's got, he's got his one win and somebody that's never won and tried however many times. So yeah, I mean, when you look at the ratio, yeah, he's just having more starts, more attempts at pole position and not getting them right. More seasons run without getting a championship and all that. Because he used to have this crazy, uh, crazy ratio of like he won thirty percent of the races he was in, or something like that. I mean, because he's got ninety-one wins, even if he has over three hundred Grand Prix starts now, which I'm not sure he's up to that or not. I know he was he was behind Rubens by a decent chunk, but even so, my point is is that he had like you know a thirty-three percent win to attempt ratio, and that's you know pretty unreal. Yeah, yeah, as, yeah as exactly. Was. Yeah, so just just looking up on the on the web here, um, Schumacher concedes title hopes are over for 2012. He has all but admitted, so he hasn't quite admitted, but he has all but admitted that he is no longer in the 2012 title fight. Following more bad luck, having only scored two points in seven races. Ugh, I think dreadful. we all kind of knew that, but I guess you're admitting to yourself, you know. I so mean, I mean, these 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 articles are a little bit stupid, right? Because it's not like. Oh, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna care anymore because I'm not in the fight. I mean, you're you're always gonna do the best you can as as any anyone in any profession really, but especially as race drivers, it's like, you know, some yeah, the points matter, but it's not really in a in a day to day basis as you come up to some to some car on track, you know, like wh- where you are in the points, whether he's gonna be, you know, he's, he's not gonna win the championship, you know, so I don't think that's gonna be a nearly as direct a consequence as as journalists like to make out, but. Speaking of Schumacher, that's an excellent segue to talk more about Jensen Button. So, uh, you talked about how in seven attempts he's only scored two points, which is dreadful. And uh, But for uh, Jensen, if you take out his race win at the very beginning, 
in the last six attempts, he's only scored 20 points. That's not, that's not very good either. And it's just, uh, it's really a shame to see. In fact, you can look at, you can look and see exactly where he scored the points. He was, um, he won, he got 25 points for his win in the first round. And then he was, uh, he, he was second, uh, in round three of the championship. That's worth another 18. And then he was 10th, I guess, twice. Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> I mean, just like dreadful. So uh, speaking of scoring points in the last rounds, you know, got a feel for Jensen as well. Uh, Jensen's now, what, eighth in the uh, world championship. Schumacher's down, what, in the floor. He's down in He's, I think, or something. one of the lowest guys to score any points at all. He's just ahead of the bottom six. I mean, if you look at, yeah, uh, Schumacher's finishing position throughout the year, 20th, 13th, 24th, 10th, there's, there's a point, uh, 24th, 19th, 22nd. It's just... It's 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 retirements and retirements and retirements and early yeah. in the race retirements to be twenty fourth twice you know it's wow yeah I mean absolutely and his average um, race uh, finish position is eighteen point four yeah compared and to Nico Rosberg who's six point six six point six exactly and he is where is it now seventeenth in the drivers world championship yeah yeah pretty pretty dreadful pretty dreadful so so about Button though so he's talking about so he's had the early success when everything was still kind of up in the air and everything was new. Yeah. But since then, I mean, what do you think he's going to do for moving forward? I'm sorry. Here? Okay. So he he his his he scored he scored in three rounds. He won the first race. He was second in the third race, and he was ninth in the fifth race. And that's that's his that's two points for ninth. So if you're Jensen Button now, what's what's the deal, man? I mean, what what can you change here? How can you? How can you change this that you haven't been able to do in the last three or four races? I, you know, I don't know. I feel like it could, it could simply be that he's just in a little funk and he's got to get himself out of it. It could just be a random collection of one-off experiences that's hankering him. Uh, you know, again, on Friday he lost the vast majority of free practice to to just sitting there watching his car being worked on. And then once it was there, he couldn't get the balance the way he wanted. But he does have to be very, very careful that this doesn't turn into a trend. I feel like this is the last race where he can say it's not a trend. And if he doesn't turn it around for the next race, he's going to have a real problem. So um, Valencia has got to be where he turns it around. And I, I think, honestly, he just has to really keep it to the basics and focus on getting his setup not necessarily perfect but at least decent you know what i mean yeah and once it's decent improve maybe he's trying to chase perfection a little bit too much to really nail it but the tires are so bloody sensitive that if you get like a five degree celsius change in a temperature and we've had bigger swings of that from one day to the next mm-hmm. that that's enough to change the characteristics of the tire enough that he's thrown off yeah it's just weird though because it's it rarely changes the other way where all of a sudden Button's magical. I mean, I guess maybe Australia, right? If you say the first round, that's kind of how it came together. But, you know, with these tire changes, it's like you win some, you lose some. But it always seems to be that Jensen is the guy that just loses out or is is less able to cope with what happens to the car. Right. Where someone like Alonso, maybe even Vettel, certainly Hamilton, can just deal with it. Um, I, I, You know, for Hamilton, I don't even know if it registers with him. He just says, yeah, the car's good. You know, the car's good. Well, you know good. he's got a lot of driving styles. <laughs> sure, he just picks one. So, like, but that's my point. It just, I feel like Hamilton just says, "Okay, this is as fast as this car will go." Period. And you know, he can make it go really fast no matter what. Whereas Jensen needs the car to behave in this way for him to make it go as fast as it can go. And if it doesn't, he's going to be giving a lot more of a cushion to account for that than someone like Lewis. Yeah, but it's, you know, it seems like you know Rosberg or Maldonado. You could look at those as kind of little you know blips to say, well, you know the temperature has changed but it helped them and it's just so far the temperature hasn't seemed to change in such a way that buttons like oh the cars really come to me it's finally all come together it's just he's, he's got to you know again you know first in the first round second in the third round i mean he's, he's had two those are two really good results the point is year. i think he's worse than Moss and he should be fired <laughs> it's been three races this is unacceptable it's bad no that, that comparison was actually made though and we immediately sort of you know, poo-pooed that because for the the Massa situation, which first of all, he he seems to be turning around right now. I mean, he seems to be doing respectably. Yeah, I guess we could say. Yeah. Um, but that's that's like over the course of two and a half years. Right. It's a little bit different than three races. 
and I and I do have to say, you know, some of some of uh, Button's uh, bad results is bad luck. And you know, for example, you know, we talked about uh, Michael Schumacher a little bit comparing to Rosberg briefly. So Jensen Button's average qualifying position is six point four. That's not great. But Lewis's is five point seven. They're not actually hugely different from each other. Right. There's a bigger gap in race results. It's t- Jensen is now well, averaging ten point nine versus Hamilton four point four. Does that take Hamilton with his penalty thing at 24th yeah, though yeah and that's true but my point is is that so hamilton had some bad luck but so did jensen yeah okay that's that's my point fair enough so anyway we can move on from that uh i i think overall it was a great race i always love watching canada it's even when canada's bad it's still pretty good right i mean it, it can't right. be that bad and, and it was weird because the the whole thing with canada is obviously this was the the inspiration for the pirelli tires being so soft and whatever and yet we saw one stop races today you know yes. that was the thing is that we were like crazy between three and four stops and that was what made it so interesting but today it was one or two mm-hmm. you know any three or more stops was because there was a problem or a penalty or whatever um but uh it was still on track action on track passing for the lead we had three cars in the lead when you had we had alonzo hamilton three, cars, and Vettel. three different constructors yeah exactly the top drivers from each of the top three teams yeah on track nose to tail and working their way through uh you know just each other, you know, trying to trying to yep. and set times and make it all work. Different strategy calls with tire changes and, and how those played out. It was it was a lot of fun, and, and we got to see the seventh winner in seven rounds of the 2012 qualifying. The, uh, Lewis Hamilton's first. He's been knocking at the door for so long, and uh, he, he definitely earned it in my opinion. Very happy to see him win. Very happy to see him happy, and it was great. And as as predicted, I might add. Oh, well, 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 we're just going to have to get to listener, listener feedback so we can get to predictions so you can gloat. We, yes, we'll have to do that. Um, so we've got uh, Europe coming up, of course, with Valencia. That's in two weeks. So if anyone's really tired and needs to catch up on their naps. Yeah, that I feel like is a lot more of a qualifying, uh, whoever qualifies well, because I still just, even with theirs and whatever, not a lot of passing. Uh, but, and, then, and then we've got Fish and Chips and then Germany, and it kind of goes on from oh. there. But um, so, fish and chips. So what I did, what we didn't see this weekend um, were, I mean, we had Maldonado's big, big moment in uh, in Q two, uh, which ended up, you know, not being that big of a crash, but his recovery and his spin and all that. But otherwise, the wall of champions was kept clean this weekend, relatively. Although Vettel did touch it with his front towards the end. That's right, and he did uh, spark spark off a little yeah, magnesium there. It wasn't enough to affect anything beyond that i don't think yeah. i mean he may have He's, had a little issue with the car yeah, that he was maybe, fighting maybe he tweaked something but it was definitely still drivable and we did say we haven't talked about this but uh, of course uh, senna in free practice yeah um you know all, all but writing the car off on the wall of champions going into it big time backed into it really yeah, badly yeah. he just got really really squirrely there, rotated so. around and, and and backed into it but during the actual race so what what kept striking me about it was striking sp- you i get it yeah you like that um or kind of occurring to me as as we're going is is imagine so you are, uh, you know you're Lewis Hamilton and you're behind Sebastian Vettel and you're you've got a good exit out of the chicane you're you're gaining on this guy for like half the lap the first half of the lap, then it, you're finally on the back straightaway you're gaining you're gaining you're up alongside him you open the doors, and you get a, in front of him and then so which is what happened um, he was able to, to get around Vettel and it's you know make the pass okay that to not overcook then that that chicane turn 14 if i guess it's called um into the wall i mean that to me seems like what's so cool about this track and why it's caught so many people out is because it's right after this like i've been pushing so hard to get around this guy i finally got around this guy and that would be if there's any ever a place that you're going to overrun it just a little bit or just push a little bit too hard because you're like exuberant about the fact i just finally passed this guy now i got to get away from him because otherwise he's going to get his doors on the next lap and blah 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 i got to get my lap time going that that would be the time where you just, you know, having just passed someone and, you know, to to then just slightly miss the mark or just get a little early on the exit or whatever. And and yet we saw no one do that uh, today. So I was very impressed by that. And just really, I think we, we see that a lot, especially with sort of the mid-pack runners. Someone gets passed and then immediately passed back just because, yeah. you know, the guy yeah. who got in front then gets a little overeager or whatever, just a little bit of wheel spin. And, of course, it doesn't take much with these cars. And, uh, and with you know, they're all good drivers at, uh, at a basic level. So, um, so every time I was nervous, though, every time, <laughs> like especially with Hamilton, uh, you know, just having made the pass to not overcook it. And, uh, and good job because he didn't. So, uh, you know, talking about all this competition and seven, seven different winners and seven rounds and blah, blah, blah. 
talking about the Drivers' Championship before we get to listener feedback. We've got uh, less than 10 points covering the top four, which is Lewis Hamilton uh, leading the championship with 88 points, Fernando nipping at his heels with 86 points, Sebastian Vettel just one point behind that with 85, and then Mark Webber just a little bit behind that group with 79, still very much within it. Nico Rosberg is fifth with 67 points. That's definitely less than a race went away. Then it gets a little bit farther back. Kimi Raikkonen ahead of Romain Grosjean, only just now, though, with uh, Romain's stronger finishes. Um, he's in sixth. Grosjean's in seventh. Jensen all the way in eighth place. Again, 45 points. 25 of those points uh, captured in the first round. And then uh, your boy, uh, Sergio Perez. Chico Perez. Top ten. And uh, Pastor Maldonado uh, uh, rounding out the top ten, the actual top ten. So, and it's funny, Michael Schumacher in 18th with two points behind both STRs. And you is know, he in 18th behind, now? Yeah. Oh, he, um, he has listed in 17th. I, our, my model puts him ahead of Ricardo. But yeah, for whatever, just the for whatever positions reason, yeah. and whatever. But to, for him to say, well, you know, the championship, you know, I'm not. I, I, I am admitting that I'm not in the title fight. Well, it's like, come on, dude. I mean, to, to, yeah, mathematically, everyone is in the title fight. Pedro de la Rosa could win every race from now on, and everyone else could not score points. But realistically, to, I mean, right, yeah. Understood. Okay. Uh, one thing I have to say, looking at this, too, it, it, oh, Mossop is doing better these last two rounds. He's still down in 14th with 11 points. He's got 11 points. Yeah. It's a lot not, more than Schumacher, but great. compared to, yeah. And I just reminded myself, talking about this, Kimi's been a little bit lackluster these past couple of rounds. And that was actually something I wanted to mention. Uh, oh, wow, I'm going way back. Way back. I'm talking 20, 2010 here. Pre, pre-race news is that uh, Kimi wanted to do a rally in Finland, and mm-hmm. Renault said no. And he was not too happy about that, apparently. So the rumor goes. And uh, I did zero research. So I'm admitting that. Uh, if someone knows more about that, please feel free to fill me in. But uh, it's... He but wanted the, to do a rally. They said no. He was not terribly happy about that. Should that mean that he has a lackluster performance? Of course not. But Romain has been the stronger driver these last couple of rounds, I would say. Yeah, so on, on the, the driver thing, I mean, we talked about this a little bit uh, before the show. But so there's sort of the two sides to that. One is, you know, he's a grown-up, and if he thinks he's going to die or thinks he's going to injure himself, he's probably not going to do it. Then again, he's, you know, Lotus can't help but think of Kubica yep. and that whole situation of Absolutely. a rally in the offseason. In this case, it was even during the season. But if they lose their star guy for whatever reason, if it's a small injury, if it's a big injury uh, or, or whatever, um, you know, it's not, it's not like, oh, well, we'll just you know, get the backup Kimi Raikkonen or somebody else. I mean, the way the driver market is and, and everything, you know, they'd have, they could hire someone who's recently out of Formula 1. But, you know, it's, it's just such a risk if something goes wrong. And for what benefit to the Lotus team? You know, there's very little, if any, I guess I could say if they're making their driver happy and that makes Kimi perform better in the car or something. But, um, you know, it's I, I just can imagine them thinking about that for about two and a half seconds and going, yeah, no, you're not allowed. And they pay him so much money, they seems like they can they can specify, uh, right. you know, what he's, what he's allowed to do. I don't know what's in the contract or whatever, but um, it, as much as it would be like, yeah, you're, you know, you're a grown man, you can make your decisions and do what you want. I, I just the team must that make must make them so nervous, and uh, obviously that's uh, what prevailed. Yeah, I I, I would agree with that. It, uh, although Kimi is that kind of special case, right? He's kind of notorious for being um, wanting to be able to do his own thing. He's a big fan of um, oh, James Hunt and that kind of like party boy lifestyle, playboy lifestyle. And you got to be careful with Kimi, right? Because he can get disengaged and. That's that's where that's where Renault may have a different uh, a difficult time, um, and Kimi maybe isn't quite as quick as he used to be as well. You know, when you got young Romain coming on strong, maybe he loses a little bit of favor with the team. I don't know. It's just been a couple of rounds. He might click right back on. It's not like he's doing badly. He's just uh, hasn't been showing quite as strongly. Right. Anyway. Well, as I've said all all year so far. Uh, I think Valencia is really the round where we figure out who really has the advantage going into the season. You know, this has all been some nonsense, you know, different races all over the world, but I think now is where the season really starts, or next race. And we'll finally be able to see, you know, a repeat winner and really, you know, get the season figured out as far as who's who's on top, because so far it's all just been real topsy-turvy and none of these races have really mattered. <laughs> right? No? Have I not been saying that? Okay. All right. Let's see what the fans have. Yes, there it is. 
Okay, so let's start right off the top and say not the F1 show attached to Sky. Let's just blanket that one, get it out there. That being said, um, the F1 show was on the BBC, believe it or not. And we had a lot of comments in regards to that. Um, of course, our man, the kilt, um, made himself known to the world in a very fashionable, very public way and uh, uh, and got our banner, our humble little banner on BBC Live during uh, their coverage of the Formula One race. And we've got some comments on the actual F1 show um, post for the Monaco post about it. So I just wanted to read a couple of those. Um, Vince said, uh, uh, LOL, saw your banner logo held high on the BBC. Good work. And then we got a, we got two comments from someone named the irate prediction stud. Have no idea who that could be. (laughs) Total, total lie. He said, you should be ashamed of yourselves. I'm not sure about what or why, but I think you need to have a long, hard look at yourselves and stop whatever it is I think you may be doing. Poor, poor BBC. Shame on you. So I guess we just owed a huge apology to irate for prediction stud yeah. for something that we possibly somehow. may or may not have, have done. We also got uh, Steve W. saying, nice bit of clear advertising care of the BBC TV forum. You have to grab every opportunity, and it paid off. Well done. And uh, CKW, the man himself, um, replied to the irate prediction stud saying, strange to be so upset. I think there may be much more important things in life to get upset about. Maybe you should be commenting on the Daily Mail website instead. And uh, finally, someone uh, uh, Kyle said, Nice job getting the banner on the BBC Forum podca- broadcast. Never knew there was such a podcast. Now I am a ex- subscriber and ex- am excited for more. And I botched what he said. But that... But now he's heard his name on the show, so he's, he's going to subscribe and he's yeah. going to like it. And he's going to tell his buddies, we hope. So, and, uh, and Kyle... You are the reason why we love the kilt so much because so many more people even just are aware of us because of him. And sometimes he's just really out there and he's very blunt about what he's doing. But, man, that's yeah. awesome. So, and so ri- thank you, Kyle, for checking us yeah. out. And the original comments, I think, were more non-listeners, people thinking we were the Sky TV people and being, yeah. oh, this is a disgrace and blah, blah, blah. But when you look at the actual comments from people that listened to our show that commented that came back after our Monaco show was posted – um, and weren't you know commenting on the previous show or finding us in right. you know various other areas like you know the customer support right. website of Warner Brothers books right um, I don't even know how know, that person got they're, there they're into it so you know yeah well it's, I don't think that it's a tactic we'll take that that often again in the future but it's uh, you know it was fun well, to it's, it's it's not a tactic we take period but you know we're we are uh, we are happy to have such enthusiastic fans right. Uh, so that that's been fun, and if anyone has found our show from that, then then welcome, and we hope you uh, we hope you dig it, and uh, we're not all Scottish men in kilts, um, just you know, a uh, <laughs> bunch of American F one F one fans. <laughs> what I liked was uh, David Coulthard's uh, response, and uh, someone saw. I think uh, Jake may have seen on the BBC uh, seen Craig in the kilt, yeah, and they were like, "Oh, I wonder what he's got in the sport," in, or "Oh, DC, that's what you should be wearing," because he's Scottish, of course. And, right, right. and they're like, oh, "I'm not going to look up his kilt." <laughs> so at first, and they're like, "Why is he still standing there?" Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was an interesting moment uh, for sure, and, uh, and a lot of fun. And over on the Facebook page, uh, as as always, we've had, we've had actually quite a bit of activity. Um, Absolutely. Posted a, an old video of uh, Champions Wall from the from. 1999 when Which it got was a its sweet name. video. That was great for you to find and put up there. And uh, and then we've also got uh, you know we, since especially since this race happens uh, where we, it's easy for us to watch it live. Um, it just makes it a much more live kind of interactive weekend for us where we're not having to stay away from the Facebook page to, to miss you know seeing any spoilers and things like that. So if you're not following us on Facebook, it's a fun way to get some F1 news into your feed and of course uh, see what we're up to. Uh, there's almost 1,300 people over there, uh, or I guess 1,200 and some people. Yeah. Um, yeah as fans of us there, and uh, there's always lively discussions going on, and you can be the first among your friends to know about all the other uh, fun things that we do besides the show itself, including, just about an hour ago, our post of uh, the third and final installment of our thrilling Port Imperial Street Circuit trilogy. Yes. That is, of course, the New Jersey Grand Prix track, where the Grand Prix of America is going to be starting next year, and I guess where Vettel is going to be tomorrow is right. going to do a lap of the track. We don't know in what, if it's going to be in some Infinity, it's or if it's actually going to take almost, a race car. No, or it what. has to be an Infinity. It, I mean, almost has to be. If it's a race car, I'll lift it up. I don't know. It could be fun. Anyway. Wait, I'm, I'm actually very interested to see that, to see if 
there's, you know, flower pots. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, and we'll see, you know, if the, uh, you know, sanitation station is cleaned up or anything. Yeah, that, you know, it's been a couple months now since we've been there. Probably not, though. And uh, so, yeah, that video is on YouTube. We've also got a link to it on the Facebook page. We also have a link to it on F1Show.com. It's also on our YouTube channel which is uh, YouTube slash F1ShowDOT.com, all one word. So it is out there. Please do check it out. Um, and uh, we promise that this is the last bit of uh, structured video we're going to squeak out of our raw footage from Port Imperial Street Circuit. For now, at least. It's a funny one, though. It's, <laughs> it's, it's definitely got the most laughs. Oh, and Colin Sato on the Facebook page wonders, so what is going on with Button? And he goes on to, uh, to expand on that. But uh, I think, you know, that's, that's like retroactive listener feedback and that I think we've, uh, we've talked about that and hopefully uh, Colin yeah. is... But there is one more bit I, I do want to mention. It's also involving YouTube. Uh, Caroline Block um, put on a, put a YouTube video up, which I think she might have made herself in fact, which I then repeated on the F1 show. So if you've been to the Facebook page, you might have seen already of our man, the Kilton action. It's kind of a highlight reel of That's uh, great. all just... the work he did in Monaco. And it is... <laughs> Pretty fantastic. With with the Dolly Parton soundtrack and everything. Yeah, yeah exactly. The whole deal. Yep. Yeah. And so that's definitely, yeah, fun stuff on the uh, on the Facebook page if you haven't been there. And you can follow us as, on Twitter as well, where sometimes we will live tweet during the race. Today we had uh, enough going on with the people and the whole situation watching the race that uh, we... You yeah, know, we, we, we kind of had an entourage going this time around. It was kind of cool. Yeah, so, uh, so there wasn't quite enough, uh, you know processing brain power to also be on Twitter or Facebook during the race this time. But, um, but it is fun, especially on this time zone. So, uh, uh, you know, for Texas, we may be live at the race. We don't know yet. Uh, the plans are still, you yes. know, there's still tickets still aren't even on sale yet, whatever. But well, they, I actually certainly on, just, on they, Brazil. I heard be. that they just announced some three-day package for $170, but I don't know what that was attached to. So there's just the very beginning. In the next couple of weeks, I bet actually when we talk about Valencia, we'll be able to talk more about tickets for Austin. Yeah, and uh, so anyway, so that should be good. And also, um, yeah, we should we we should have some fun. Uh, you know, we did our, our New Jersey thing. Hopefully, we can find our way to to Austin. So if we have any fans that are anyway connected to the track in Austin, then certainly get in touch and uh, let us know if there's uh, some way we can get clever and uh, whether we do some kind of a drive around or some, make some kind of video out of it or do something fun. Um, if anyone out there is, uh, you know, Mario Andretti, maybe a listener, I don't know. Yeah, I hear he's involved now. So uh, I, I I have I have interviewed. I know Marco, and I've interviewed Marco. Maybe I could work that angle because I'm sure Marco remembers me. We were karting together <laughs> a long time ago. Oh boy! Just sorry, Craig. Point just is, token. visit f1show.com. Yes, which is where you can comment on the shows directly. You can find links to everything else that we do there, and uh, it's basically a lot of fun. Everything and we do is fun. We should do predictions. Oh, lovely. So the upside of the race being on our nice North American time zone is that it is a later an evening race for everyone in Europe and beyond, including our prediction studs. So I don't yet have the numbers for our Facebook audience at large and how they are doing compared to us in predictions. But I know what I predicted. I know what you predicted. And I feel fairly confident about this weekend. And we know how Damien, the stat model, did. So, sir, I... No messing about this time around. My hat is off to you. You did very, very well. You predicted for Canada that Lewis Hamilton would be on pole position and he would go on to win the race. He was not on pole position. That was clearly stupid and wrong. He was uh, only second, but he did go on to win the race. So congratulations to you. That was a, a very, very well done. Uh, Thank you. The, the stat model, Damien, Mr. Damien, said, oh, Mark Webber was on pole in Monaco and won Monaco, so he's going to be on pole in Canada and win in Canada. Not the case. Uh, Webber ended up finishing, uh, qualifying fourth and finishing the race seventh. So uh, Damien scored nine points, and I myself said, no, 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 no. Nico Rosberg's going to be on pole, and Sebastian Vettel's going to go on the win of the race. Uh, Nico Rosberg um, should have been on pole. Something must have gone wrong within the team. Clearly that's had to be what happened. And Sebastian Vettel, with the late and uh, poorly timed second pit stop and not the best strategy in the world, ended up only finishing fourth, giving me seven points. You, sir, beat both Damien and myself with one point. Congratulations. And what really matters is that we both beat Damien. We, both we beat are Damien. smarter than an Excel spreadsheet for once. However, it is going to get a little bit harder now. And, you know, we've last couple of rounds as well, especially the Maldonado-Maldonado 
pick that Damien had right. for Monaco. <laughs> Definitely because a go. Hamilton pole Vettel win is a pretty solid. It's prediction. not a bad prediction, exactly. Um, but you, sir, also are in the lead between the three of us. Um, you'll be very happy to hear this. You have ninety points total after seven rounds, and you have won three of the predictions out of seven. I'm second with ninety-five points, having won two predictions out of seven, and uh, Mr. Damien is in third with one hundred and eight points. That's a lot of points, and he's he's won twice as well. So, all that being said. Things are coming around for us. I, you got to love that Maldonado win. I mean, that that, that was fantastic. Yeah, that's right. Although so we, we, although stacked, we had the, the Hamilton pick for pole, which yeah. then became right. worst pot anyway. Right. Well, yeah, we've had a few of those. But so the uh, the rest of it, how everyone else did stacking up to the end. If you know your points going to it, you know where you set up. Jim's at ninety. I'm at ninety five. Damien's at hundred. Well, I think yeah. By the time this show goes out, we'll, you know, our, our prediction stud probably will have had time. It'll be maybe Monday morning. He'll uh, be able to watch the race. True and enough. Get his numbers in and, and so on. And we uh, always hats off Neil for uh, squaring that away for us. But that is the end of Canada. We now have to talk about Valencia. Right. The hundred and eighty corner street course with one bridge. Right. It's got one bridge and it goes over water once somehow. Very little passing, even with uh, DRS. Although, so we've had we've had curs and durs. Now we've got turs, and we don't know the weather. But I mean, it's pretty consistent. I think it's on this Spain. I think it's going to be Sebastian Vettel's going to be on pole, and he's going to go on to win the race. I think he's going to be our first repeat winner of 2012. Simple as that. And that is fairly simple and fairly quick. Um, there is one issue with that prediction. Forgetting about Jensen Button's rise to the top. <laughs> no, it's that I completely agree with you. Dang it. That's the problem. Is I, I think the exact same thing. I think if there's one car that's starting to show consistent form, it is the Red Bull. Although I am a little tempted to put Alonzo. I, I was thinking Alonzo. Like if they learn the tire lesson, which you can't really learn because it's different every time. But if, they, every time. if they you know, run their numbers or get a little bit faster calculator or something... And uh, can figure out what to do. Those were my top two guys because I was thinking, yeah, the the Ferrari's definitely improved, and Alonso is Alonso. I just don't see him putting it on pole position. I see him getting scrappy in the race, and something yeah. interesting happened. But I right. I just don't see him beating Alon- beating Vettel. The problem is if if you put if I put Sebastian Vettel on pole, which is de- genuinely what I believe, then all three of us, including Damien, are thinking the same thing. That's true. But it is that's the case. We all agree. We talk about beating this guy and now we're all agreeing. Now, can I can I be bold and unpick something else for the race win? That's the question. So Damien thinks it's gonna be Hamilton. Damien thinks it's gonna be I Hamilton. I think it's gonna be Vettel. And I I I could be You should go Grosjean. I, I'm not totally against that, but I just it's it's I'm not I'm not a big odds guy, and I think the odds are still on the high side. <laughs> and of course, but, our, our system doesn't incentivize you to take a risk. You know, there's no, not like no. forty to one on one no. guy and two to this one. This is on a another. very simple, simple thing. So, I yeah, I know I could I could convince myself that uh, Mr. Alonso has a, has a crack at it. I, you know, I mean, it's in is. Spain. You know, he's going to have his, Spain, his home guys. Thing. And... It's just eighteen million corners right. going round and round. Ferraris can go around corners, so. <laughs> There it is. <laughs> that logic is flawless. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is, like, the one thing I've been trying to do this year is go to Wikipedia and look up the history of the track and who's who has who's won there and things like that. Which was the but, Hamilton pick for this time. I mean, that's been always a good track for him, except last year, and that that ended up being correct. But uh, I mean, it's such a different situation this year. And uh, exactly, that's the problem. Is that it? Oh, what, that's what's fun about it too. What's proving? Uh, what's proving? To make it challenging, yeah, it's like that you can't go to the history of it and say, oh, okay, this, uh, this is this or whatever. It, yeah, remember it, the last time we used math on it, though, too? We looked at our model and looked at, thought, figured Schumacher was going to be on pole, and he was 24th. I mean, there's, you know, there's, there's issues there, so. Uh, <sighs> yes. So, which, so what's, your, what's your call now, Alonzo? I'm saying that uh, Sebastian Vettel will be on pole. That is true. But that... Um, that uh, Fernando Alonso is going to be able to out-savvy him and win the race. Cool. Yeah. Sounds like fun. And if you have not predicted, as we can see, the, the numbers are still kind of all over the map. Um, if you've been playing along so far, then I'm sure you know how to do it. But if not, go to our Facebook page, which you can find a link to on uh, by searching for us on Facebook or just on F1show.com. And there's a predictions tab right at the top. There's kind of photos and likes and things like that. But predictions is one of those. And you can punch in who you think will be on pole for the next race and who you think will win. And you... Uh, 
earn points based on how far away you are from accurate, and the fewer points, the better. And uh, uh, yeah, we'll see how this table shapes up. I, I, I'm very happy about how uh, my my prediction yeah, this time you how did it came well. out. But admirable job. Who I knows? Have to admit it. Who knows? Moving forward, um, and that's uh, that's all part of the fun. What else? Well, I guess that kind of wraps it up for this weekend. And uh, again, awesome, awesome race. And I guess until Valencia. We're, we're, we're out. Yeah. Unless you want to visit F1Show.com and click on the T-shirt to buy a T-shirt of your very own, which is which always, you always a fun do. thing to do. Which you could definitely do. Um, they are fantastic T-shirts. We have F1Show T-shirts, and all you got to do is go to F1Show.com and check those out. They are amazing. And maybe subscribe to us on YouTube because, you know, you never know what's going to come out of our mouths on that channel. You never, never know. And we're trying to get more involved with that with some super sweetness. And, uh, yeah, I guess F1Show.com is kind of the home base, but we've been, we've been keeping busy. Yeah, we sure have. So, until next time, I am Jim Lau. And I'm Robin Warner. Have a good day.